Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. I apologize, I don't have my notes. I was having, I don't have um, notes in the bulletin or PowerPoint. I usually always have PowerPoint, and I don't have that this time. I was having trouble with a computer, so I apologize. You have to look just at me, and so that's, you can look at the trees and others, things that are a little more attractive, but... Uh, <clears throat> But if you look at the scriptures, and that's what we're going to do, is go to Luke chapter 2, and I'll be reading 1 through 14. And a very familiar passage, the Christmas uh, season. But last week we talked about, do you remember the subject last week? See, you're like, what was last week? I can't even remember yesterday. So I don't like tests. It was love out of John chapter 2. So love, this week's lesson is going to be on joy. And next week, what do you think next week's lesson is? Peace, very simple. You'll see it interwoven through the service. So, and I, I won't be preaching long. It'll be very short little snippets, five minutes, so 15 minutes total, they'll be broken up. So be like, hey, that's a good thing, right? But this morning, we're going to talk about joy. So let me uh, follow along, if you will, in Luke chapter 2, 1 through 14. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, goodwill toward men. Shall we open in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth it gives to us. Thank you that we can have joy. And Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts during this time. Some, it can be reminders of difficult times, of hard times. For others, it can be a joyous time. It brings back memories of when we were younger. But Lord, above all, I pray that you would help us to understand the reason for the season, the source of our joy or why we should even have joy in the first place. And I pray that uh, we would understand this scripture better. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. What we want to focus on this morning is joy. <clears throat> and there are some people who are more joyful than others. As we talk about, uh, I'll explain a little bit difference of happiness versus joy. Usually happiness focuses on the emotion, but joy focuses on the source. But the word here. As you look, and it states where it says, There shall be born to you, oh, excuse me, then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. That word joy obviously refers to joy, 
delight, gladness. But the Greek word kara, which where we get the word charismatic, if you understand that, it's not a bad term, charismatic in personality, is that there is a source of joy. And the joy sometimes received from you or the, the case or the, excuse me, the cause or occasion of joy. Usually there is a source of joy as we think about a fountain of joy, a joyfulness. Sometimes we think of those individuals who are always happy, always upbeat. But what is their source? Is it maybe just their personality or, or some people who you can tell that there is joy in their hearts? When a baby is born, there's joyfulness. Uh, usually at a wedding, there's joy. Someone once said, um, well, I, I won't tell you that much. <laughs> I was going to say, you know me, the humor, and uh, my wife's not here to uh, tell me, oh, that's, a, that's not a good one. But the difference between a wedding and a funeral. So, but um, anyway, I'll, I'll reserve and not tell that one. But um, the whole point is a source of joy. Why are people happy? What is the source of joy? Um, sometimes it's graduation. Sometimes it's uh, getting a new job. Sometimes it's coming to Christ. If you have ever seen someone who enters into a personal relationship with Christ, there is joy. First of all, because they recognize that their sins have been forgiven. If they were to die, they know for, that they would go to heaven. They believe what the word says. The Bible says, these things have I written unto you that you might know that you have eternal life. So there's a cause of joy. We're all burdened with sin, and so we understand that there's a, a consequence for sin, but forgiveness and also what true joy is. And so this root, um, kar, means to extend favor, to lean towards, the awareness of God's grace, literally grace recognized. So when we think of this joy, it's the recognition of grace in our lives. So if you like word, um, some of you like English. How many of you like English? Okay, a lot of you like English or etymology. Some of you are like, man, I don't want any more English. Grammar, terrible, right? But the, someone once said that um, when I worked in a Spanish church, it was like, um, you know, we're going to have, um, in heaven, we'll all, um, the sp pastor told me, sometime uh, we will all speak English in heaven because it's going to take us an eternity to learn it. So as we understand the language, but the etymology, a lot of English has roots in other languages. Even as we think of um, kara, or is out of uh, the Greek. And so kaira, which means rejoice because of grace. There's also joy because of grace. And then there's charis, which is grace. So they're all connected here. And so what they are are cognates. They all have the same root. When we think about joy, the root of it is in grace, to recognize grace. And so Cairo literally is to rejoice because of grace. Now that's fine if you know grace, but you're like, I don't know who is grace. It is grace that is what we have received from God. If we were to define grace, we understand that grace signifies that you have received something, a gift. Literally, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve or something that we haven't earned or, or worked toward. So first of all, there's three things if we look at this. Grace signifies that you have received something, a gift, a benefit. Most of the time, if it's your birthday or here's a gift, you're like, you recognize it, you see it. Oh, okay, that's a gift. 
Sometimes we'll say thank you or, you know, here it is. It's a benefit. Sometimes we don't care about it. Maybe it's a free something, a swag, a bag, or something that you got here for marketing, advertising. Oh, yeah, thank you. Just what I need, right? But the whole point is they're giving you a gift. You recognize it. You see it. So, but grace is that you have received something, a gift. And usually there's a tangible benefit from that. Here, as we read, it says, The angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior. A Savior. Birth. That is pretty tangible. A baby that is born. That's going to be the Savior of the world. And it says here, Grace signifies that you have received something that you did not deserve. That is important, too, because oftentimes when we think about uh, getting a surprise or an unexpected addition, we usually, you know, I work for that. We understand the value of working. Of course, nowadays, many people want things that they don't deserve. But grace is receiving something that we didn't deserve. And it's hard for us because we value um, righteousness. We value what is right. We have a high sense of, you know, this is mine. And as we think about property or personal ownership, we think this is mine, that's yours. Guess what? I work for this. This is mine. You can't have it. But here, grace is extended and given, and it's not just to you, but it's to going to benefit others as well. As it says here, for there is born to you in the, this a city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and then gives you the sign. But it said, good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. As we think about the promise that was given of a Messiah, one who has come, this is given not only to you, but to all those. And we know that the shepherds, they go and share it with others, the good news. Um, as I think about the Old Testament, uh, there was a time during a war where these individuals went out and found food, and it had been star they had been starving. Guess what? They decided we shouldn't keep it to ourselves, we should tell others. Our natural instinct is to keep something valuable to ourselves, Because if we share it with someone else, what will happen? Go ahead. You won't get as much, right? That means I have to share or maybe it will diminish the value of what I have. But here, there is no diminishing. This benefit that you receive, it does not lower in quality nor in amount. And there is joyfulness because of that. And thirdly, not only as we think about it, it's you received it as a gift, you receive something tangible. Grace signifies that you receive something you don't deserve. But also grace signifies that you did not work or earn even a small part of it. Sometimes we think, okay, well, I don't deserve that because I only did a little bit. Maybe you're doing work for a friend or you, or you did something for someone and and they give you an extra benefit. No, no, it's okay. I don't need that. And they want you to receive that. I didn't really do anything, you know, above and beyond. Some of those individuals, maybe where they returned a purse or they did something, and you're like, you know, I didn't do anything that any other good Samaritan or, or responsible citizen would do. But grace signifies that you didn't work or earn or do anything. You are getting full pay for doing nothing. As we think about it, there were those who, who went out in the field and uh, the workers, and some were paid for a full, they were all paid for a full day's work, but some only worked an hour. And people were jealous because, wait a second, I worked a full day, and they only were an hour. But see, it's perspective, because the perspective was, okay, I'm not getting my fair share, but it is the fair share. It was 
the owner being generous. And that's where God is generous to all mankind in the sense that he gave Jesus Christ. And as a gift, that source of joy, how there would be benefits for everyone. And that is grace. And grace is sufficient, as we talked about. And as we look at grace, an essential element of the believer in grace is the recognition of that grace. The challenge is that sometimes we don't recognize grace in our lives. We get accustomed to certain behaviors. Um, if there are those who, um, who live a certain lifestyle and they get expected on being waited upon. Maybe in your family you are called princess or queen. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, because, you know, it, we have to always wait, you know, things like that. So, but to understand here is that grace, God giving us what we don't deserve, but grace is recognizing that you have received it. And so to have joy, part of the element is to recognize that grace has occurred in your life. So what is that grace? God has given you tangible benefits that you did not receive. If I were to ask you, okay, what is an act of grace in your life that you've received? Go ahead. This is not hypothetical. This is, I know you think, oh, I can answer. What is something that God has given you? An act of grace that you didn't deserve? Peace? Salvation? Salvation? We did not deserve salvation. Anything else? Forgiveness? What about tangible things in your life? Yes. Each day is a gift. That's right. A day of life. We're not guaranteed. There's no guarantee that you're going to be here tomorrow. Now, granted, we'd like to be here for tomorrow, but there's no guarantee. And so we recognize that it is a gift from God. The people in your lives are like gifts. Some of, you, some of you are like, well, I wish I could return them. But they are. They're valuable. And to understand that, and they are a source of joy. If we think about that. Anyone else? Gift? Grace? Yes. Brian? Your wife. Okay. Okay. Can't return her. Okay. But as we look at that to understand, these are gifts. And so if we think about even the clothes we have, a vehicle. Nice. How about living in the United States? If you've ever lived in a, what we call the third world country or other places, the value, I'm always trying to tell my kids, you know, Simon's not here, so I could use him as an illustration. You know, you have it so easy, you know, other kids. I remember, you know, being down in, in Peru, and there was a place called Paraiso, it was not, which translates as paradise. It was dirty. There were dogs around. We actually got fleas from working in there. But you know what? A piece of gum on the ground, in the dirt, sand, where there's dog manure and everything, kid pick it up start chewing it. You'd think like, what in the world? A balloon. Just the value and seeing how much we have. An act of grace. And as we look at our lives, it's important to identify grace because that is a tangible benefit that we have to appreciate. To recognize that it's not just, I work for this. I work for this house. I work for this car. I work for all these things. Who gave you that strength? Who gave you the ability to have that job? When we recognize grace, it should cause you to smile. Now, I'm, I was born in Korea, and I, I, if you know me, I'm kind of serious. Even if people joke with me, unless we're going, you know, it, it, I don't really laugh easily or, you know, if we have to be in the right context. You know, some of you, you know, are very happy. 
familiar, but you have to get me in the right mood. Usually it's like, okay, wait a second. My wife will say, oh, you know, I was just kidding. Are you, ser- are you sure? <laughs> but I like to joke, especially practical jokes. But as we think about that joyfulness, and my point is, in getting this, is that we have to learn to smile. So for some people, you know, we have to understand that the joy in our lives is always there. And some people say, well, I am joyful. And it's like, well, tell your face, because most Christians, you know, they're not very joyful. But as we get around others, if you've ever been able to think about and the blessings that you have, and as we come back to our text to understand that we must understand grace, we not only identify it, but recognize the source and articulate it at it. That's why, for humanly speaking, it's easier for us to ask for things, prayer requests. But it's harder for us to say, oh, I, I praise the Lord for this. Because we think it's so minimal. Oh, you know, that's nothing compared to anyone else. It's minimal. But I would encourage you to list, identify. If you've ever had a prayer list, you know, when's the last time you had a praise list? When's the last time you said, hey, you know what? I, I thank God that he did this. I thank God that he's given me parents. I'm thankful that um, they're not my parents. I thank you that, you know, I have this. Go through. You know, and don't, obviously negative, I humorly um, place some of those other items, but think about all that you have. And to acts of grace, because it should cause you to be joy. Think about the fact that we are even here at this point in time, historically. Think about if we were all meeting together, you know, a couple hundred years ago, life would be a lot harder. So even that is a benefit. And we think, well, God would have given us grace to exist at that time during hard circumstances as well. Ukraine and other countries, they have the grace. Even when we look at people who have suffered, gone through difficult times such as tribulation or persecution, they don't, they don't resent the fact that there are other believers who have it easier. They just, I've heard some say, well, guess what? I want you to live for Christ and uh, don't deny me my persecution, but God has given me the grace to live and, and go through. And some have been even had traditionally willing to die. Part of their lives, they've lost family members. And we take our freedom so grant, um, for granted to be able to share Christ and announce Christ. And as we think about, too often people take it for granted by not acknowledging that act of grace and expressing that joy. You know, the recipient of something that we haven't worked for. At work, we might expect a bonus. Maybe we expect a gift from a friend or loved one. Why didn't you give me that gift? You know, we might expect to be treated a certain way. So a characteristic of the believer's life is humility and gratitude. I would say that is an important, essential characteristic. Humility and gratitude. And when we recognize acts of grace in our lives, we need to verbally communicate it. And you know what? It takes practice. Here, they were announced, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Think about humility of being born in these humble, these aren't even humble, these are dirty, uh, terrible settings. I don't know of any woman who would want to be, be, um, have a child in these circumstances. And then, we go through and see, and what happens is, and even the first ones who announced it were the shepherds who were like the lowest of the social class. So I don't know, you know what we consider. We don't have a caste system in the U.S., but if we think about the most menial, low-paying job, 
And they're the first ones to find out. And then the shepherds, when they find out, it says, and those who heard it marveled all these things were told them by the shepherds. The shepherds didn't just say, oh, that's great news. They went and spread it all over. Guess what has happened? You know, you see angels, that kind of changes your life. But also the news. It wasn't just, hey, we saw angels in the air, you know. I saw angels in the outfield. It wasn't about the angels. It was the message of the angels. Think about that. In today's world, if we were supposed to communicate things, we'd be more fascinated by the angelic appearance. Wow, man, that was amazing. Look at the light and the angels singing. But guess what? All they said was, guess what? Announcement. A Savior has been born. And so that's what they go and express. And stating as such, if we think about the recognizing that grace and verbally communicating it to others. Confession of sin outwardly states that we have sin and identifying it and agreeing with God that's wrong. That's what confession is, just simply agreeing. This isn't confession, but grace permits us to manifest the fact that we have identified an act of grace in our lives and communicate it as such to others. God has given grace. God has shown me grace, favor. We use that term too, in my life. And we're like, ah, no big deal. Tell me something exciting. I want to hear something new, you know. God drop a car in your life, you know, a new, new Ferrari or something, then I'll be impressed, right? That's how we are. But don't be underwhelmed by the simple acts of God's favor in your lives. If anything, what we need to do is think about it. Don't be overwhelmed by the busyness of the season. Sometimes we're like, listen, I've got to get this done, or I have to think about that, and we get worried, but when we dwell upon the promises, when we dwell upon what God has done in our lives, about how he is working in our lives, how he has saved us, how he is transforming us, how he is changing us. You know, he's going to bring things to our memory that will make us laugh too. Do you remember when you were younger or when this happened? But God worked all things together for his good, not ours. And sometimes even those difficult times in our lives come out to his benefit. We must learn to express sincere gratitude to God and others rather than token expressions. We can take time to thank others, show appreciation, value others, and take time to recognize their actions, whether they be coerced at their job or not. Think about it, Christmas shopping. You know, if I were to say, okay, how many of you have been Christmas shopping? Oh, I don't do that. But yeah, yeah I mean, if you go out there, show a little kindness. Express, you know, everyone's going to be in a hurry. Everyone's pushing. Everyone's going to take your parking spot. That's how it is. But if you go in with the attitude, okay, guess what? You know what? People are going to walk up. People do that. And you have to mentally prepare yourself. Or you're like in the fight. You know, if you think about the fri uh, what they used to have, the um, uh, Black Friday. You know, and it was like, I've been to some of those. And it's like people got beat up on those. I'm like, wow, crazy. But to go through and thinking about as you shop, as you go through, think about the gift. Think about, you know, just making them happy. Too often we're like, oh, this is going to, going to be for them. And, uh, you know, it's, um, oh, I got them something. Spiritually, I mean, we don't need anything, honestly. It's a nice gesture, and it is fun to shop for others. But as we look at a life lesson would be that we learn not to take other people nor our circumstances for granted. Kyra is joy that recognizes God's grace in your life. And so in Luke 2.10, it expresses the cause or occasion of joy. Hold your spot and go to James 1.2. James 1.2. 
James 1, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings. And then we arrive at James chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews, James. James 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, we read this and say, okay, my brethren. So he's talking to believers. These aren't just anybody. These are believers who understand the concept of God working in their life, filling of the Holy Spirit. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. He's not talking to a lawyer, you know, oh, count all joy when you get to go to these trials. Talking to believers who are facing difficult circumstances. It says, count it all joy, which to me is very peculiar. Oh, you should have joy when you go through hard things. Now, granted, when I go through difficult things, it often affects my emotions, my disposition, and we're like, oh, this is terrible and hard. We lose focus because we're so overwhelmed by our circumstances and the thought of having to deal with this difficult burden in our life. Oftentimes, the last thought is joy. Read it again. It says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. The source of that joy is not what you're going through, but knowing that there is a purpose and cause on the other end of that. So that's what we fail to remember. When things are going on in our lives and it's hard and difficult, when we encourage one another, we have to remember the hope of the one who is permitting us to go through that trial. That they're not just trying to cause you to submit and to cause you pain, hurt, and grief. Sometimes if you've ever had a, um, an older sibling or an uncle, you know, where we get that term, say uncle, where they're twisting your arm or just wanting to hurt you or see you cry. That's not how God is. But he is helping shape your character. And it's an act of grace that he's doing that. Because otherwise, we're going to stay just as selfish and terrible as we are, humanly speaking. Allowing our sins to control us and overwhelm us. But in Karas, where is the grace and joy, guess what? God is working in your life, allowing you to become more Christ-like. There's a source of joy for you. And joy, while it's not our, um, our natural response, our circumstances do not determine our possession of joy. The source of joy is based upon the knowledge that the testing of your faith produces patience. And the challenge is remembering what is the basis of our joy. Let me read you an illustration. Um, there's a teacher who is helping one of her kindergarten students put on cowboy boots. Now, I don't know if you've ever helped kids put on cowboy boots. It's not always easy. Snow boots. And he asked for help, and she could see why. Even with pulling and him pushing, the little boots didn't want to go on. Finally, when the second boot was on, she had worked up a sweat. She almost cried when the little boy said, Teacher, they're on the wrong feet. She looked, and sure enough, there they were. It wasn't any easier pulling the boot off than it was putting them on. She managed to keep her cool as together they worked to get the boot back on. This time they were on the right feet. Then he announced, these aren't my boots. She bit her tongue rather than get right in his face and scream, why didn't you say so? Like she wanted to, and once again she struggled to help pull off the ill-fitting boots off his little feet. No sooner than they, she got the boots off, she said, they're my brother's boots. My mom made me wear them. Now she didn't know whether to laugh or cry. But she mustered up the grace and courage she had to wrestle the boots on the feet again. Helping him into his coat, she asked, 
now wear your mittens. He said, I stuffed them in my boots. If you think about grace that we need each day to go through, circumstances, life is not easy. It's going to be like putting on those boots, you know, stuffing them in and then finding out. It leads to frustration. But when we reflect back and the source of joy, it's not funny at the time, trust me, but take a moment and reflect. As we look at another passage in 1 Thessalonians 2.19, 1 Thessalonians 2.19, as we think about this joy that is expressed. 1 Thessalonians 2.19, it states and says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Paul here is expressing to the people at Thessalonica, the church, that guess what? I know that you have gone through suffering. I know that you have faced difficulty. But guess what? You are our source of joy. When we think about what you have gone through, when you think about how you've kept testimony, see, to understand others, think about the others, how they have brought you joy, but also it's not just selfishly thinking perspective, oh, what you've done for me. It's how they have lived. And even as we, as we go back to love, remember John, the Apostle John talks about greater um, the joy, brings me joy in how the children have lived. And oftentimes looking at that as being his spiritual children. But the other people that you have invested in, did you know that you are a source, source of joy to other people? And not just your parents. You know, you are a source of joy to others, maybe around you and how you live and in the talents and gifts that you use to serve him. And it's important for us to remember because it's, it is not even you in the, it is, it is not only the knowledge, but the confidence of the believers of the Thessalonican church and their Christian testimony for Christ is that confidence of what they went through and the spiritual impact upon those around them that Paul had. And he says that he was basing his joy upon that work of Christ that he had already seen in their lives. And that's where, if you remember the passages that say, you will fulfill the joy, continue on, press on toward the mark, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in you. So as we go back to Luke 2.10, it reminds us that joy comes from God who is keeping his promise and fulfilling it at an unexpected time. They didn't know when it was going to occur. If a younger Christian person or teenager does not behave or live like you were taught, it is not our responsibility to force them into, into certain standards or convictions, but to show grace to them. See, sometimes what happens is mature Christians, we err on wanting to be right and err on wanting to be too merciful, that balance. And we think about our source of joy. Don't allow um, our definition of that. And Karis is recognizing grace is from God and that we need to learn to display it properly. And we will possess joy when we share it with others. Sometimes we base that joy upon the behavior of others, but we have to learn to recognize that God is still working in some people's lives. They're not all going to be like we want them to. Even myself as parents, sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, you know, I can see these, you can be like this or you can be like that. Certain people, 
you have. Maybe if you have students or maybe if there's people around you, you can see potential in them. And when they don't live up to your potential, you're like, well, guess what? I'm done with you, right? But that's not how it should be. Understand that we pray for them and be thankful that God has permitted them to be in our lives. We can encourage them, but we can't necessarily motivate them based upon our desire for them to look a certain way or to act a certain way. Those of you who have adult children, you know, sometimes they don't always turn out like you want them to. But guess what? God isn't finished with them yet. Pray for them. Encourage them. And, and have joy because they're in your life. And as we see, what occurs is that it is an outward expression. Some are going to be more outward expression. Um, they used to have the commercial Toyota. And do you remember what would happen? Some of you remember those commercials, Toyota. Toyota, what would, they, what would happen? Do you remember? Some of you are like, they have lots of commercials. The person would jump up like, uh, I can't even do it, but they'd go, Toyota, you know, jump up like that and, uh, and do that. And they would be just an expression of joy. If you think about your lives, sometimes we express joy in different ways. Sometimes you're like happy, you know, excited to run around um, and uh, to express that. Most of us are pretty sober, you know, we don't, oh yeah, you know, we don't show expression. But I would encourage you sometimes to, to show expression, be happy. Don't break something in the process of it. You know, sometimes, oh, fall down or you jump in the air and trip. But express it. Show joyfulness. Articulate it. Tell yourself that you're happy, that you have joy. I have joy. You know, you'd be like, I have joy. You know, share it. And that's my whole point is that as we articulate and express it, joy can be rooted in experience, a person, an object. Joy is received from grace. Let me give you an illustration of joy. Um, a father was tucking in a four-year-old daughter into bed and told her a nightly Bible story, going through the Bible, telling these stories. This night, it was on the night of the prodigal son. They discussed how he had taken his inheritance early, left and spent all on living it up and partying until he had no money left and had to work on a pig farm where he couldn't even afford to eat what the pigs ate. He remembered his father and went back home and asked for a job and forgiveness. His father welcomed him with much and as we think about that story, even the other son, he wasn't very joyful. But the whole, as we think about the father was filled with joy for having him come back. Well, after they finished the story, the father asked the daughter what she had learned, and she immediately said, well, never leave home without your credit card. The source of joy. A little bit um, distorted in what was the source of joy. But to recognize Happiness will reflect an emotion, but Jesus was announced to the shepherds, and even the angels understood the magnitude of this announcement. Jesus came to earth to be born to mankind, to die on the cross, and to provide salvation to all who believe and place their trust in him. And Jesus rose again and showed he is God, and someday will return. So my question to you this morning, simply as we close, is how is your joy? I'd encourage you to either learn to express it or to understand that Jesus is the source of joy. And when you understand and reflect, don't just think about it. Because we're good at being contemplative and thinking about it. 
but express it. Tell someone else, you know, do a little jig or whatever, or, or dance, you know, I know, Baptist dance, but simply express it and say, you know, thank you, Lord. Articulate it, yell it out, shout it out, whatever you want to do, you know, amen. And praise the Lord, because how is your joy this morning? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father.